Welcome to Holy Horror. I am your host, V, and I am so grateful, excited, happy that you're here again, taking some of your time to have this fun conversation with me. Today, we have a very special episode. This has been probably the most requested topic for me to talk about ever. Um, I did create a poll on Instagram, and not just this one time, but before, people have keep coming back to me for advice, for explanations they're confused they don't know what to do they don't know how to go about it so this is this is very intimate to myself because i have experienced it from a to z and i'm still experiencing it in many ways um and i just hope that today's conversation is helpful and nurturing and that can guide you open your mind a little bit uh we're going to be talking today about monogamy versus all the different realities and dynamics that we can have in a relationship. Let me begin telling you why this all happened and how this all happened for me. Um, So I started getting a little confused about the concept of monogamy. A few years ago when I broke up with my ex Corey, shout out to Coco, he is one of my best friends now. Yes, I am best friends with my ex. That's another topic that we're gonna be eventually talking about. Uh, arguably one of the most unconditional people in my life. I love you, Coco. I miss you always. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be oversharing a bit <laughs> about our story and why we broke up, so that I can give you guys some context. So, Corey and I were together for I believe a little longer than two years, and we were living together during COVID. So, here's when shit started going down. I found out that he was interested in getting to talk to other girls and getting to know other people and that he wanted to get with them uh, on a physical level. So at this point in time, I gotta give it to the guy, okay? Don't be so harsh on him. It was COVID. We were with the same people all the time. We couldn't leave our houses and obviously there was not much newness left. The world was confused, so were we. So... I found out that Corey wanted to get with other people, not because he told me. I found out because the girls came to me and they told me about it. I know at that point in time, I was supposed to get angry and upset and hurt at him because he wanted to get other girls' attention besides mine. At the beginning, obviously, it is shocking because we are so programmed that this is how we have to feel when someone betrays us, right? Um... But the little longer I sat on the feeling, I understood that that's really not how I was feeling, really. When this happens in a relationship and you catch your significant other doing things that they're not supposed to do, you wonder, who could possibly want to replace me? I am the chosen one. I'm irreplaceable. I'm indispensable. Which means that you don't need to look at anyone else because you have everything you can possibly need with me and there's just no need to go see anywhere else correct so if you do that if you go see someone else if you go look for someone else's attention it means that either there's something wrong with you or there's something wrong with me or there is something wrong with us that's normally the narrative that we repeat again and again and again when we feel betrayed we say we don't deserve this disrespect so what do we do we break up After sitting on the feeling for a little bit, and obviously it was very heartbreaking to realize that I had to move out and that I was not going to be able to hang out with my best friend. When I told my friends about what Corey had done, my friends were very upset. To my surprise, they were more upset than I was. And I was confused because I saw everyone around me being so upset at Corey and 
I was not upset. I was just sad. I was just simply disappointed at the fact that he didn't tell me about it. I kind of got confused about my own reaction because I was responding through my nervous system in a very different way. In the past, every time I thought of someone cheating on me, I would see red. I was like, there is no fucking way that someone's going to cheat on me because I am it and I deserve it all. So I'm not going to take anything less than that. So if someone dares to do that to me, they stop existing for me. And that was so not the case. I realized that the feelings that I was supposed to feel towards Corey were not my feelings. They were everyone else's feelings but mine. I was supposed to be upset, but I didn't feel upset. All I felt was disappointed and sad. And I was not angry at him. My love for the guy was still intact, even if I knew that I could not be with him anymore. And this was my breakthrough right there. I understood that love doesn't disappear. It only transforms. It that sometimes people drift away and that circumstantially we're in a very hard position. There's a lot of couples that broke up during COVID um, because it was fucking boring. Every time I would picture him with other girls, that wouldn't make me feel upset. I was almost like, fuck, yeah, I, I feel you, dude. Like, I'm bored, too. I was very much aware that there is so much more to life than myself. So my disappointment came from the idea that I worked so hard in creating the safe space for him to be able to trust me, but he didn't. It wasn't enough for him to open up to me about his human needs, and I see why. Because if your boyfriend told you, I want to go fuck someone else, you're probably not going to take it well. But I thought that he would know that I would take it well. But he didn't trust me. So that's what hurt me. Then suddenly, what we call monogamy started sounding kind of ridiculous to me. Because if I didn't really care about the fact that he wanted to get with other girls, why was I really believing in? Okay, so let's start from the beginning. What's monogamy? Mono derives from the Greek monos, which means alone. And gami derives from the Greek gamos, which means marriage. So let's put it together. Marriage with only one partner, correct? But wait, is it one partner for a lifetime or one partner at a time? There was this Swedish philosopher who said, monogamy only exists in reality. It does not exist in your memories and it does not exist in your fantasies. You're probably not going to want to hear this, but I have to make a point here. Just, just think about it for a second. Your significant other has fantasized about other people, thought about other people, remember other people when he's been with you. Yes, he or she might be in love with you, but that doesn't mean that their memories disappear and all of the things that go through their head disappear. You are simply one of the many thoughts they have a day. You are simply one of the many people they think about a day. You're simply one of the many people they feel things for a day. So by definition, we have multiple partners before marriage, correct? So we're not monogamous anymore in the traditional sense of the word. We are not monogamous by nature, biologically, and evolutionary, it is simply not part of our makeup. How do I grasp monogamy for it to make sense in my head is when I see it as a practice, as a choice that you make. 
So at what point do we become monogamous? Where does monogamy start? Is it when we're born because we have two parents that brought us to the world and that they're still together? We don't know if they love each other, but that's how it should be. One loves the other, then there is a baby, and then the baby has to grow up and find the one that he loves so they create another baby. Monogamy is a concept that is fluid and is changing. There is no universally agreed upon definition on what this means. So every time I say that I've been in an open relationship for a while, people's jaw literally drops. They tell me, oh, I could never. So non-monogamous relationships or polyamorous relationships or periodically non-monogamous relationships are considered crazy and impossible. They're not sustainable. I can see that you want to explore and have freedom, but how is that going to work long term? What are you going to do when you have babies? How do you want to build a family? Just so you know, I am not opposed to all monogamous commitments. I don't think that every single person that is in a monogamous relationship is being fooled. The thing is that the way we talk about monogamy is literally setting the relationship for failure. Let me elaborate on it. We're pretty much saying that the sexual exclusivity is the most important aspect of love, of a union, of a commitment. And that if we fail at it, our relationship is done. Our relationship is entirely a failure. I've heard so many times when people have told me like, if you're in love, there is no way you're gonna wanna fuck anyone else. Come on now, just be honest with yourself. You know very well that you can love someone deeply and still feel attracted to other people and still get horny because of other people. Yes, you love your boyfriend, but what about that boy at the gym that stares at you and that holds eye contact with you every time he's lifting? Or what about that friend that just checks you out and smirks when they see you and they wink at you? It's, people are so hot. Human beings are just so attractive in so many ways. How can you not like them? You do like them, even when you're in love. End of the story. We are vibrational beings. And connecting with each other is the only thing that we're here to do. Yes, we might connect at different levels, different depths, and different conditions. But just because you're in love doesn't mean that everyone else stops existing. Your boyfriend still checks girls out. And you do check boys out too. The problem here lays in the fact that, let's say you're in a relationship and you have a boyfriend, right? Your boyfriend meets this girl at the grocery store and he feels really attracted to her. There is this pull, there is this like magnetism that he can explain. And then he is thinking about her walking back home after he's holding your ice cream that he went to the store to get you. And then when he gets to the house or he, when he's going out of the elevator, he's confused as shit because he's like, fuck, I'm buying this ice cream for my girlfriend that's on her period, but I just met this beautiful, lady in the grocery store that i can't stop thinking about and then he's gonna think maybe i'm not as in love as i think i am maybe it's not the same with my girlfriend anymore maybe we've been together for too long automatically the person that's believing that this monogamous concept is so um rigid is jeopardizing their own dynamic with their partner because they have felt attracted to other people and this is just simply 
a lie you are literally fooling yourself because you're going through the most human natural thing that you can go through which is connecting with others just because you connected with someone else at a different level doesn't mean that your connection with your person is not a thing anymore is ruined no you can perfectly feel many different feelings for many different people at many different degrees all at once every single interaction with one human being is absolutely unique and special because every single one of us is absolutely unique and special so every single interaction that i have with every single human cannot be compared with the other they're unique obviously some interactions are a lot more transcendent than others and more substantial than others but still that's what we do we go out and we connect there is so much space within you to hold so many different interactions more than what society has taught you that you can have we gotta also understand that infidelity not just happens in monogamous relationships this also happens in non-monogamous consensual relationships too what does cheating really mean what is it for you is it a hookup is it a love story is it paid sex is it when your boyfriend pays for my OnlyFans and you catch him scrolling on my feed? I'm also gonna dare to say that the word monogamy as we know it, as we have understood it, as we um, perceive it nowadays, is pretty much equivalent to clandestine adultery, to cheating in silence. This is one of the flaws in dynamics and relationships right now, is that because you ask me to be your girlfriend automatically i assume that you have to do all of these things for me that you have to respect me this certain way and because we have the title automatically you know what to do and i know what to do so we are supposed to act a certain way right and if you don't act that certain way that i'm thinking about then you're going to disappoint me and we're going to break up but there is no actual communication on the details of an agreement it's like he's my girlfriend she's my boyfriend we're not supposed to cheat on each other but what does what does that mean to you right what does that mean to the person what are their limits what are their boundaries there's no communication and we just get the assumption that they're supposed to act this way and we're expecting this behavior from them when we haven't told them what we want when we haven't told them what we need how we would like to be loved have to communicate about what we are willing to offer what we are willing to sacrifice what we are willing to do we're all different when it comes to deciding what works best for us some of us or some of you because that's probably not my case some of you need stability and commitment you don't want open doors you don't want anyone else in the mix because that's the only way that you're going to keep your sanity that's most of you therefore you would opt for a monogamous relationship because in your head that's what works for you and then there are some of us who want to have those open doors because we understand the nature of this fickle existence that we have maybe we want to keep our curiosity and maybe we it's not that we want to keep our options open but we don't want to limit our life experiences if you're in this position like myself this doesn't mean that you're less committed or less loving or less serious. It simply means that your relationship with your own sexuality and your worldview is organized differently. And this doesn't define you in any way because this is not a rigid structure that stays there forever. Just like our very nature of fluidity and change, our dynamics, our needs, our wants are always changing too. So we can redefine that aspect inside of us all the time again and again and again.
the only factual thing that you could possibly say about relationships ever is that humans need humans people will always want to seek to connect because we are vibrational the fundamental need for human love and passion and transcendence and touch and sex is always gonna be there but how that will happen is entirely paradoxical the expression of this paradox that you're gonna create with your person entirely depends on you too on what you both want and on the sort of rules that you talk about that you want to set sometimes and i'm gonna say most times some people don't know what they want you probably don't even know what you want not that you're listening to me saying these things you're thinking shit am i existing how i want or am i existing how my parents existed and how i am supposed to exist you know you follow the pattern of society you're 33 you're like okay it's time for me to find a wife i guess so you go find yourself a wife and you guys have a you know ordinary happy marriage and you get in this committed monogamous relationship but then there is some time that goes by and you feel guilty because you have the need of explore but you can't because you have made this choice with this person you bought the house you bought the puppy you planning on the baby and you're unsure about all of it and maybe you're gonna say fuck is it too late why am i feeling like this and then you have other people who have practiced this very open polygamous dynamic and they realize I think I want to settle. I think I want to be more invested and intentional with who I give my love to. And they're too scared to bring that up to their partner because their very nature of their relationship is polyamorous. They don't want to share their affection with anyone else. They don't want to invest their affection with anyone else. And they're freaking out because they're going to think if I tell him that I just want him, he's probably not going to want me anymore so there are always those two dynamics happening right not there's no right and wrong here but before we get into what to do about it and how to choose let's talk about faithfulness it's so curious to think about the fact that for for most of history faithfulness had absolutely nothing to do with love isn't that crazy to think about before faithfulness was imposed in women by the men in order for him to know who gets the land whose children are whose who am i going to give the cows to because you have if i have 50 wives it was all about patrimony and lineage obviously it's funny to think about because we start seeing the double standards that our society has because these rules were not imposed in men they were imposed to women by men right? A hundred years later, when society realized that this model of existing was not fair to women, they decided that they were going to make marriage a little more egalitarian and fair. And instead of giving more rights to the women, to us, we took away the rights from men. So they couldn't sleep around either if we were not sleeping around. So like always, we do it all backwards. Humans do it all backwards. Before men practically men practically had the license to cheat with little to no consequence simply because this was all supported by biological needs and evolutionary theories that justified their their need to roam and go around and sleep with many women at once so the double standard is as old as the concept of cheating and adultery itself 
Back in the day, marriage was just an economic enterprise and union. Being unfaithful was threatening our economic security. So if my husband goes around, he has a bunch of kids with other women, I'm going to have to share my cows and my food with other women and other children because my husband is the one who's the provider. But now if someone cheats, I'm fucking worried about my whole emotional state because how I feel inside of my nervous system and how the state of my mind and how I operate depends on one person so my full sanity as a human depends on how this human being is going to treat me and what they're going to do with the love i'm giving them isn't that fucked and a little scary considering that we're all trying to figure it out our own way do you really want to give that responsibility to someone else instead of being responsible of your own emotional state and it's ironic because a lot of people who cheat are not miserable in their marriage they're probably very happy in their relationship but then the day comes where your husband meets the girl at the gym and he's looking at her and she's smiling at him and they keep on crossing sides and gazes and at the end she comes up to him and she starts working out next to him and then she asks him for his number and maybe he doesn't mention that he has a wife. At that point, their values, their beliefs are challenged because their behavior is not matching what they're supposed to do and what they know that is right there's something incredibly erotic about doing the forbidden and you know that the thing about cheating on someone is that we think we're unique we're the chosen ones we are the one we are all that and when we get cheated on that act of getting cheated on is telling you no you're not the only one and you're very much replaceable and you're not all that that is the ultimate betrayal because it's threatening the sense of self. You don't know who you are afterwards. You feel insecure. You feel devastated. What's wrong with me? Why did he want her and not me? She must be something I'm not. She must be giving him something I can't give him. The comparison and the declining of self-worth begins and we start spiraling down in a freaking rabbit hole that's going to take a long while to heal. And most times that we're seeking the gaze of another person, that we're seeking to have that attention, not necessarily from our wife or for our partner or our husband, is not that we're turning away from them, but it's mainly that we are trying to turn away from the person that we have become. Some of us are tired of being the wife and the mom. There's nothing sexy about being a mom or a wife for a lot of women, right? Maybe we're tired of being the perfect girlfriend or boyfriend or the wife or the husband or the mom. There's not much sexy in our minds about being taken for granted because we're the mom of a kid that we have with this person that doesn't make us feel much anymore. So it, it isn't that we're looking for another person. It's simply that we're looking for another self. And contrary to what you may think, affairs, cheating on someone, has not much to do with sex and it has everything to do with desire that desire for that attention that desire of feeling that erotism and fire and excitement that desire of feeling wanted and special and the very nature of that affair just fuels us up with that spiciness that we think we're lacking in our lives it's interesting because desire and love are not black and white concepts yeah, you might be very much in love with someone, but you don't necessarily desire them too. 
There is not a victim and a perpetrator here. Betrayal in a relationship comes in many forms that are not physical. We can betray our partner with neglect, contempt, indifference, violence. So, as I'm presenting it, affairs can also happen in non-monogamous relationships too, in open relationships too, in polygamous relationships too. The fact that you cannot have someone keeps you wanting them. That in itself is a machine of desire right there. Because you're incomplete. You don't have the one thing that you're aiming for so much. You're not supposed to do that. It's not correct. It's not right. What are they going to think when they realize that you want the neighbor and not your wife anymore? We always have had two sides of us, like the very dual universe we exist in. We have the part that wants to be obedient and responsible and compliant and good and proper and have our shit together. And then the side of us that wants to break every single rule. When people have affairs, they're feeling newness, excitement, aliveness. We're trespassing limitations and constraints that we said that we would not trespass. We feel bold and excited and autonomous and independent and ready to take on more adventure and a little irresponsible. All of this ignites the fire that we like to feel. We love the forbidden too. People who have affairs feel guilty for hurting, for hurting their partner, but they don't feel guilty for the affair itself. And just making that dis distinction is important because they like the feeling that they get when they are cheating, but they hate that they are hurting their relationship and that they're hurting this compromise and this commitment that they made. They don't wish it to disappear. They just wish that they could still do it without hurting the other person. I was reading some studies recently that show that in committed monogamous relationships, women were the ones that would get bored first, much more fast than the men when they're in a committed monogamous relationship. Male's desire goes down gradually, slowly, but women, it just shoots down like a rocket. So catch her while she cares, baby, because one day she won't care at all. <laughs> and as I said before, it's technically nobody's fault. It's just simply that in many dynamics, the concept of being a mom and a wife doesn't have much sexy to it. We have desexualized her role because of the role that now she has to take as a mom, right? So every time she sees an opportunity to change that narrative, she's most likely gonna take it. Because before being a mother and a wife, she's a woman. Have you guys heard of people calling each other the one? Oh, I knew that she was the one when even Luke says that about me. He's like, I knew she was the one when I heard her on the phone. <laughs> there is not a one. I'm sorry to break it to you, baby. There is no one who can be all things to you or that you can be all things to. We, we believe in this myth that loving someone has to do with this magical thing that appears and that just keeps us together and that sometimes it disappears, right? But we can't, it's unexplicable and it's magical and it's strong and it's magnetic. But when we're able to separate our, ourselves from this magical dynamic, we're pretty much able to look at each other for what we are. And that is just a pair of human beings trying to figure it out. Yes, we are magical and unique, but we're also simple and very similar to each other. When we have that extra little bit of self-awareness, we're able to look at our partner and say, you're not the one. 
there is not a one but i am choosing to see you and treat you as my one and i am choosing you every day when i wake up there is this very strong value that's created with each other because we are deciding to stay with this person with our eyes wide open so how do i know that my partner is the best that i can get well you can't you don't know that he is so where do you find the best that you can get you can't find it because you don't find your partner you choose your partner if you really think that you're gonna find a person that's gonna make you stop looking well babe you're wrong because you won't you're simply choosing this new person with all the self-awareness and intention for them to be the new space where you will plant new roots and where you're gonna want to deepen them together and grow from them we're all walking breathing paradoxes and it's so hard for us to make decisions in general if you have a hard time choosing a freaking cereal at the grocery store you think that choosing a partner is going to be that much more easy yes you can find others i'm not sure if you can find better but you can definitely find more you can have a lot of beautiful love stories in one lifetime they might be special and beautiful and unique and passionate these people are not always the same people that you're going to be able to make a life with. There's a lot of people who you can love and that are going to love you too. But there's only a few of them that you can actually consider to make a life with. It's not enough to feel that love and passion and intensity for someone and assume that automatically you can be with them forever. The person that you're choosing to make a life with needs to share a vision, a mission, values beliefs worldviews it is not just about the feelings you gotta check the beliefs about money about independence about power dynamics about emotional investment emotional intelligence there's so much that you need to consider when you're choosing someone in many instances and circumstances what originally attracts you to someone is going to be the same reason that you're going to have conflict and problems eventually the very thing that is so attractive because it's so different becomes difficult because it's so different so it's a mix of so many things a mix and match of so many things so what really makes a thriving relationship is a big hot pot of not just feelings of love you need the actions the beliefs the physicality this doesn't mean that you're gonna make a life with people that you don't love no this just means that there is a whole set of ingredients that enter into the making of a life, the making of a world, the making of a universe that you're creating with your significant other. Nowadays, we're part of a culture that is telling us all the time that we deserve to be happy, which I agree with. But the thing is that the societal norms are shifting massively. Before, people used to get a divorce because they were unhappy. And now people get divorces because they can be happier somewhere else. So choosing to say when you can simply leave is a new shame. It's really interesting to think about relationships. I think that's so fascinating. A lot of relationships and dynamics between humans are purely transactional. So when we have a relationship and it goes bad, you ask yourself, where is my return of investment? I gave you 10 years of my life. What are you giving me? What are you leaving behind? You took everything from me. <laughs> So we were in that relationship purely for what they were going to give me. Yes, what someone else brings into our life is a very important piece. I'm not saying that it's not. But human growth has to do mainly with 
what we give. We shouldn't give what we get. We should give who we are. Only having that narcissistic approach with our relationship is just not valid anymore. We have to calibrate ourselves. Some of us really need to think more about others, and some of us need to think more about ourselves and our well-being. It's beautiful when you get to find someone that compliments you in so many ways. Someone that just makes you feel a little more whole. Just, I say feel, because you're already whole. Someone that you can learn from, but someone that you can teach to as well. We need both spectrums. Giving and receiving is a flow of a back and forth, a beautiful, mysterious back and forth. When we're trying to find a partner, we have a list of what we're looking for. We can see that on dating apps, you know, you have, I want this, I want her to be this, I want her to be fit, I want her to have blonde hair, and da 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 There's a whole list. What if you start asking yourself, why do we want to bring to the table? What is the love that I want to bring to the world look like? And if you think about another factor of what relationships don't work sometimes, is the timing. And the timing has absolutely nothing to do with you. For example, you met this amazing person that you were completely infatuated by. And you guys were 21 and then he wanted to go travel the world and then you wanted to, you know, have this beautiful relationship but you're in university so you guys can't be together. But you guys had this amazing vibe and it just felt so right. But circumstances were drifting you guys apart. It's because of the timing. And maybe 10 years on down the line, you have already a husband and one kid. And you meet him again and you sit with him for a coffee. And you're like, fuck, I think you would have been a great partner for myself. But I was not ready for you. So in my generation... A lot of the guys are not ready for the girls that want them. And the girls take it personal and they make it about themselves. I am not changing you because I am not good enough. It has absolutely nothing to do with you, baby girl. It's all him. He's just simply not ready for you. So how do we even begin to conceive a relationship in our minds when there are so many things that we have to consider? Where should we be? I think that we should be somewhere in the middle. It's an examined, aware, self-aware state. In a state where we know what we want, we know what we can give, we know what our future should look like, the things that we deserve, how happy we can be. But also we ask ourselves, how do I want to make people feel when they're around me? What do I want to bring to the table? What's the love that I want to put in this collective consciousness is looking like? Because when you love someone, you're just not loving them. You're literally creating an energetic flow that is just going to spread out into a whole collective consciousness because we're all connected. It's a network. So how do you want to present yourself for that? Think about what you can do because that's the one thing that you really have in control, how you behave and how you come across and the energy that you give off. So relationships are not always about what you want to get out of it but who you can be it's hard because we're asking one little human to give us these two sets of fundamental feelings and things that we need on the one hand we need the passion the erotism the newness the excitement and on the other hand we want the settling the reassurance the safe space the coziness the certain so the question is why can't we get both? Are we gonna ever get both? Is that even possible? When we look at passion and what passion means, 
most of you are going to think and related to sex, right? Passion is connected to sex. But if we change that angle and we start looking at passion from the lens of eroticism, erotism, erotism, and we look at it as the energy of vitality, of life force, it's going to make us understand that passion and look at, looked at it from this angle is what's going to maintain the curiosity and a dynamic with your partner. The sense of openness, of exploration, of discovery, of always wanting to know more about the other. Desire is always going to be connected to that element of the unknown, of the mysterious, of what we don't see. So somehow we have to ignite that feeling of curiosity for our partner. Always. We have to work on that and we have to maintain it we're in a long-term relationship when we get used to each other there's this sense of familiarity which feels very nice you feel so comfortable you can be with them all the time you don't have to hide you don't have to wear the makeup and just be you and somehow they still love you it's familiar it's known it's comfortable but maybe if you do dedicate that time to keep the fire that's what we call the fire in your relationship keep it fun keep it curious keep it open Maybe you'll be able to find a cool dynamic where you can find both. It's always going to be a paradox because there is no instruction book that is going to allow you to know how we're going to operate. We're just humans and there's a whole universe in our heads and we don't have an instruction manual. All we can deal with is our feelings and our emotions and try to work through them and with them. When we talk about non-monogamous dynamics, I wanted to introduce that a little bit and what the concept is. You can literally organize your relationship, your couple, your partnership around so many different principles and dynamics. So for one, we have the relationship that's focused on exclusivity. And then you have some that are focused on uniqueness. Let me give you an example. So when we talk about the dynamic of uniqueness, what we ask for our partner is that they don't have what they have with us with anyone else. There is really not threat here because of the same very nature of who we are. Um, no one else is going to be us, so no one else is going to be able to have what we have with them. What we value is how special our relationship is. And that's different from being exclusive because being exclusive tells you that what I have with you is determined by the fact that you can't go anywhere or you can be with anyone else. And it doesn't matter if it's special or unique. You can only have that with me. So ex exclusivity works with restriction. It works with boundaries. It works with you're not supposed to do that because you're supposed to do that only with me. And uniqueness works with elevating that special dynamic that only you and I can have. So my relationship with you is not going to separate me from all the other relationships that I could have. My relationship with you is based on the content of what exists between us. Obviously, the second one demands a very much higher level of maturity. This is not for the weak ones. Many people can tolerate that. It is too painful to picture their partners with someone else. Even if it's different from what you and your partner have, you don't want to imagine them doing things that they do with you with someone else. It hurts you too much. There is jealousy. There is possessiveness. There is insecurity. There is a sense of betrayal. So that's the reality of most of the people that surround me because I don't really know many people that have a dynamic of uniqueness. They merely have a dynamic of exclusivity. 
So we're pretty much telling them that if you give up your freedom, that is going to make me feel secured. On the other hand, non-monogamous people say that because I care so much about you, I don't want you to miss out on any adventure that life is preparing for you, on any person that you're meant to meet. I feel like this has to do a lot with loving someone selflessly. You love them for who they are, for their own brightness for their own power for their own curiosity for their own magic you don't love them for what they give you and they bring to the table in your equation it doesn't matter who they are in your story as long as they can be bright and happy in their story it's about wanting the best for someone not just wanting the best for someone when they're with me your partner is never going to belong to you. That's the illusion of love. Accepting that your partner can, live, can leave you at any given time. They can change their mind because we're constantly changing. They can wake up one day and not love you anymore. They can die tomorrow. They can fall in love with someone else. But we don't want to hear that because it's unbearable. It hurts us so much that we prefer to close our eyes to reality and pretend that they're just gonna exist and breathe for us. That is just foolish. Non-monogamy is very interesting because it talks about the fact that you can honor my freedom and that exact same reason is what makes me wanna be with you so much. In my case, my partner and I have been in a very changing, non-monogamous, open relationship with different boundaries and rules and that keep changing all the time for um, a few years now. And I love it. He is hugging all the wholeness of who I am without leaving behind the parts of me that he doesn't necessarily like, that he doesn't necessarily find convenient for him in his life. He's choosing to accept me and love me with all the things, all my baggage. And that same reason is what makes me always want to go back to him. When the door is always open, that you can go in and out whenever, you're always going to want to, or you're always going to find comfort in going back home. And that's how he feels like to me. He feels like home. For the regular human that you find in the corner, if you ask him if they would ever have an open relationship or a non-monogamous consensual relationship they would say no that's too dangerous what if they fall in love with someone else what's meant to happen it's gonna happen and i'm sorry to say it to you but you don't have any control over it it doesn't matter that he doesn't follow the girl on instagram it doesn't matter that he doesn't doesn't like the picture it doesn't matter that you have his password uh, for his phone it doesn't matter that you check it it doesn't matter that he's not in contact with anyone when there's an intention of doing something and when something is meant to happen, it's going to happen. It's not up to you to control your partner. The only thing that you can control is how you behave and the things that come from you. I think that is a little foolish. Um, the fact that we want to keep track of who our partner follows and who they text and who they Snapchat and who they're in contact with. And as soon as we get with them, they're not supposed to like any girl's photos or they're supposed to unfollow every single female around them. You're not doing anything there, honey. If he's meant to meet a girl in the most 
crazy circumstances and fall for her when you were around, that's going to happen. And none of your effort of controlling what he does is worth it. There is some, something that Esther Perel, she's an amazing author of this book called Mating in Captivity. Um, I recommend her to you if you're ever curious. Mating in Captivity, amazing book. So there is something that she talks about that's called The Shadow of the Third. I think that's an actual book by itself. I haven't read it yet, but pretty much what the concept is that there's always a third in a dynamic of two. The third exists all the time. Either they exist in your head, in your memories, in our past, and, and just simply in the acknowledgement that we have known other people before we were with each other. And we will get to know more people after we are with each other. So some couples cannot think about the third. They hate the third. They don't want to think about it. They don't want to hear it. They want to ignore it. They just decide to close their eyes to the third. And they just decide to get distracted and never think about the third. They really close their eyes and they believe that there is no one else besides them two and their little world. For other people, the third is part of their play, is part of how they find their erotic magic that they're missing. Um, it might not be uh, consensual, it might not be that them two are bringing a third person as a polygamous relationship, but they know that maybe they each do their own thing on their end, but they don't want to know details, but at least they know that there is a third. So there is an acknowledgement of the third. So as I was saying before, my partner and I have had all sorts of agreements um, ever since we met. I didn't know that I was going to fall in love with my current partner. I met him as a friend. I met him as someone I found fascinating and I fell in love with him on the way. He is my current best friend, the person that knows me the most in my life. and. What's beautiful about us is that we always revisit um, our origins, the source of our relationship, um, the source of our connection, what keeps us together, and we put everything on the table and we decide if that still works for us or not. We are rewriting our rules again and again because we are with each other and we have been with each other through many stages of our lives, through many, many stages of our feelings, through many stages of our existence and reality. So. We honor our very changing nature and we make sure that we are heard and that we are still loving each other in a way that feels like love. We have created our own amazing magical little world with our own rules, with our own boundaries and we don't care what anyone else has to say. So the key here is to touch base with each other often, to communicate to be assertive and before you do all of that you need to know what you want so you got to take the time to introspect by yourself and see if you like your reality or not and see what you want to do about it so that you can communicate it assertively with your partner our conditions and our boundaries might change as we go i do think that we do a great job at keeping that erotic partnership very intact I am so deeply curious about him, even if I wake up next to him every morning, and I am every day so fascinating by his existence in so many deeper angles and ways that I couldn't even explain to you. As long as there is transparency, as long as there is honesty, as long as there is love, as long as there is intentionality, you guys can work it out. It'll be fun and it'll be nourishing. You just need to understand that you should not exist 
how people exist. You should exist how you need, want, and can exist with your partner. Your relationship is yours. Make it yours and have fun. After all, love, just like happiness, is not something that we find in someone. Something that we let out. All of the love and all of the happiness that you need, it's here. But it would be worthless if we had no one else to share it with. So, there is no conclusion to this. There is no rule book. There is no instructions. There is just you listening to yourself. There is just you listening to your partner. And there is just you loving each other to the extent that you can, doing your best and giving your all. Because what other people do with the love that you give them is not your problem. Your only responsibility is how you express it. We're here to feel and to give. So give all of the love, even if your heart gets broken. Hearts don't break, they just grow. Okay, I think that that's all I wanted to say. Thank you for listening to my abstract thinking. I know that there was a lot of information. For the next episode, I'm going to be interviewing my partner, Luke, and we're going to be talking about our relationship on a more personal level. So if you guys have any specific questions that you might want to ask him or might want to ask me on how we exist on a daily basis, um, please let me know. You can comment this video. You can shoot me a DM on Instagram. Uh, all of my social media is going to be down below. Once again, thank you for listening. Please comment your thoughts. Um, I love to read you and to hear you, so don't hesitate on reaching out. Thank you again, and I'll see you next time.